What a morning. <clears throat> Very exciting uh, how quickly chaos can, can coalesce into order. So <laughs> thank you for joining us today. You guys came in, literally, you came in at exactly the right moment. You should have seen it before. It was Tim and Denise are never coming back. Uh, they're like, this is scary. Um, so we're going to jump right into the word today. We're going to jump right into John chapter 6 because we have a lot to get through. And if someone would like to read, I do ask that if you're willing to read uh, the scripture, uh, please uh, volunteer, but I don't call on people, usually. <laughs> John 6, uh, verses 1 through 15. Who would like to read that for me? After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because he saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes, then, and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread, wouldn't that be enough for each of them to get a little? One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are, we, what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the, people, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the man sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed, distributed them to those who had, were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Thank you. So, first of all, level set. Where are we? Here is Israel. So this is not only the modern day state of Israel, but also the region of Israel in antiquity. Here we have the Sea of Tiberias. Or Galilee, remember when I talked to you the very first week, I said this is a clue to the timeline of the authorship of John in that the author is calling it the Sea of Tiberias. This was not called the Sea of Tiberias until late in the first century. <clears throat> until then, it was called the Sea of Galilee. And you can see the author is cognizant of that, that his audience may not even know what they're talking about. So he has to qualify it. No, this is the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. Dead Sea down here, Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, Galilee. Where is he now? Probably somewhere over on the eastern side <coughs> in what you call today the modern day region of the Golan Heights, which is kind of the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, preaching on a hill. <coughs> Maybe we know where this is. Maybe we don't. Everyone seems to think they know where this is. Who knows? But he's preaching here, and just a few things here. It says, first of all, <clears throat> sometime later. So, first of all, this is a clue to the authorship of John, that John is trying to be chronological. Is, is all of John chronological? Maybe, maybe not. At least at this point, he's trying to make it chronological. <clears throat> sometime later, who knows, that's not like a very specific term. It could be a half a year. It says they're approaching the time of the Passover. Um, the Passover is held what part of the year? <clears throat> spring. It's held in the spring. <clears throat> Sometime later, um, it's not entirely clear in the past, in chapter 5, what Feast of the Jews they're talking about, but if it is the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, this would put this about six months later. 
so this might be about a half a year later after winter is over feeding the 5,000 5,000 men is called out and, and remember in antiquity women would not be counted women and children would not be counted here unless specifically called out if there are 5,000 men and any number of women and children are also with them you can bet that this is going to be a number that's much bigger than that so conservative estimates would put it at somewhere between 10 and 20,000 people Think about how many people 10 to 20,000 people is. For example, Hilton Coliseum. How many people have been in Hilton Coliseum or have seen it on TV? Hilton Coliseum fits 14,000 people. It's roughly the number of people who could fit within Hilton Coliseum that Jesus is about to feed here. <clears throat> that, is not, that is not your dinner theater at Pathway where maybe 50 <laughs> or 200 people have shown up, okay? And you could tell how much work that was to make dinner for that many people. Okay. We're going to mute that. <laughs> if only, if only we had a miracle worker to, you know, yeah. here's your spaghetti, here's your spaghetti, right? Um, well, that's it. The Passover. This is the. This is the. I think first and maybe only time the Passover is mentioned as happening in Galilee or celebrated in Galilee. Uh, maybe that's important to you. I don't know. You notice here that it says, you know, Jesus is kind of testing them. Where shall we buy bread for these people? Huh? Right? He's kind of like, huh? how are we going to buy bread for these people? Right? He's, he knows what the response is going to be. Of course, for, you know, for, you know 14,000 people, huh? how much money do we have? Well, in order to feed this many people, it would cost, what do they say, 200 denarii, right? The average worker, and remember, this is not this is not modern day where we have a middle class. It's it's very rich. There's a few people who are very rich. Everyone else is extremely poor in this in this period. In order to feed five thousand people, it would cost two hundred denarii. Remember that at the period, a worker would be expected in a in a daily wage to make about one denarii a day. Okay. <clears throat> So this would cost basically the wages of 200 days worth of working to feed this many people, okay? Think about what you make in a year, give or take. A little less than that is what it would have costed. Now, now yeah, I, here's my Visa right, debit card, right? That doesn't happen. Obviously, Jesus is making a point. He's doing this on purpose. He could have chosen to make this miracle coincide with a group of 10 or 20 people, right? Would that have been so spectacular? Eh. Maybe a hundred people, maybe a thousand people. He is choosing this, again, I believe Jesus cho chose his moments very wisely. He's got a crowd, and, and if you think about it, in, in the region where they think that this is happening is this very hilly area that kind of slopes down into the Sea of Galilee, if you've seen pictures. So you would see, if you're on the sea, this panorama of hills. Now imagine those hills filled with people, like literally filled with people, top to bottom. That would look even more impressive. Look, they all fit into Hilton Coliseum. Now spread them out on the hills, right? It would look massive. He did this on purpose. Now he's going to feed them. What happens? I like that Andrew. He's like this unsung hero of the disciples, okay. kind of. Like he always... Like, he's the one who went and got his brother Peter, yeah. and he's like, come and meet Jesus. Right. And then now here, when Philip is like, we can't, don't have enough money, like, you're going to have to work too hard. Then Andrew is like, well, we do have this kid, and he has, you know, yeah. something. 
And so, I don't know. Like, he ha- he knows that, you know, Jesus could do anything. Maybe he's like, here, Jesus, this is what I've got. Huh? <laughs> right? <clears throat> I like that. He does have a battles, too. He takes a few of the people that huh? couldn't begin to, to win a Bible so that they know it's him, not them. Ah, okay. So he's trying to make the folkish prove that it was Jesus that this came from. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a good point, too. Um, out here, you notice that, and maybe you'll see in the next passage, they get back in the boat and they go back to civilization. Um, I think it's a good point, Lorna, is to say that Jesus has chosen this spot on purpose to say we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. And there's really no way for, like, the roach coach to show up and start serving burgers out of the back, right? The, the mobile food truck. There isn't any. It, we'd have to go all the way into town. We'd have to buy all the food and bring it all the way back. I, I think that's a good point. He's going to show them in the middle of nowhere, here's the food. It's going to spring from nowhere. Isn't that side of the sea also non-Jewish or kind of a mix of things? So it's not, it's not entirely clear exactly where he is here, but yes... Transjordan, which would be the east side of the Jordan, is called the Decapolis, which means what in Greek? Deca means what? Ten towns. Ten polis means city. So ten cities. They were Hellenistic, which means they were essentially non-Greek. They ate pigs. Because you remember later, Jesus has this incident with the uh, legion, the, the demon-possessed man that he makes go into a herd of pigs. The herd of pigs were not wild. They were, they were domesticated for food. Yes, so it could be also that we have, and I think what you're getting at here potentially is is a mix of non-Jewish people who may not even know the Messiah or understand what he was to begin with. Is that what you're getting at? Okay. (coughs) This is one of two miracles, only two miracles, that are recorded in all four Gospels. That might surprise you. What's the other one? Him rising from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. No other miracle except for those two is recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <clears throat> so it must have been a pretty big deal. Okay. What else do I have here? <coughs> Barley versus wheat. You may not care. Barley is food for poor people. In the Greek, and I don't know if the NIV or, or your translations mentioned that it's barley, but Barley bread is for poor people. That's what they would have eaten. Wheat is for rich people. Wheat is really good. Of course, if you've ever eaten barley, you know it's, I don't know, maybe your personal preference, not as good as wheat. (laughs) They certainly thought so. Um, Okay, did we get that part? Yeah, before he escaped into the mountains. Yeah. Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force. Okay, pause. Pause. What have we been saying about Jesus Christ and the view of the first century Jew as far as what they were expecting for a Messiah? Let's write this down. Okay. Jewish view of Messiah, which is still true today. Uh, Absolutely. What what are those views? Who was... Say it again. It's an earthly king. Earthly king. Probably a... Warrior. Great stature. Warrior. Great stature. From a line of <coughs> rich, probably. <coughs> line of who specifically? Line of David. Who? Yeah. Who? Line of I think David. they kind of thought he would oh, be okay. the next David. Yeah? 
Why they thought he was going to be the next just David. Just like you know, like they thought Elijah was coming first, and then David would you know, like so they kind of thought it would be someone just like King David. Why is David from Right. Um, what else? <clears throat> Maybe what, what what did they think he wasn't going to be? Maybe we should ask it that way. Excellent, sir. Not everything. Not a martyr. <laughs> Probably not a spiritual leader necessarily. It's going to be a more of a kingly. Leader. Okay. Yep. Like that Dive way, deeper into that. A teacher, like. Not a teacher. Not like primarily teaching focused. Yes. <laughs> you know? Okay, I agree with that. More I think of a, that's more of a judge. Okay. Not. Not yeah. As opposed <laughs> to a teacher, he would just say you're doing it wrong and. He would oh, be okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would be. Yep, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Probably a judge, because this kind of implies I'm going to sit on a throne and judge you. Yep. They didn't think he was going to die either. Yeah, I think that gets at this. Not a martyr, not killed. Who did they think in the first century? Talk of a Messiah coming was big news, and who was the number one target for that Messiah? Rome. The Rome. Rome. He was going to overthrow. Mm -hmm the Roman Empire. And in so doing, do what? Establish what? A new kingdom. kingdom. A new kingdom. A new earthly kingdom ruled from Jerusalem in which all of the who are vanquished. The Samaritans and the Gentiles. Who are who? Non-Jewish. All of the non-Jewish. Everyone who is an enemy of the Jews would be vanquished. <laughs> and all the Pharisees and Sadducees would sit around this table. Yeah. Current, this is great, leadership would be supported and accepted. I'm not so sure the apostles didn't buy into most of that. Thank you. Right? Yeah. I mean, Thank you. You listen, you, mean you read the, uh, the garden experience with Peter carrying a sword. Why does Peter think he needs a sword? He's with Jesus. Dude pulls out a sword and cuts off Malchus' ear, dude. Yeah. It's like, whoa, whoa. Well, and Thank then, you. Uh, James and John, their mom comes and says, hey, I want my sons to be on the right and left of your throne. She's already begging for, for position. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think my kids should be on the left and right. I'm just saying. Well, Brian, you kind of touched on it. The, yeah. That's why he did the miracle out in the middle of nowhere, Gosh. basically, because if you would have done it in Jerusalem or somewhere, you would have had a mob probably created and we go. go after this the government. Really good. And uh, he did, that's not why he was here to do that. I think this is an excellent point. This is an excellent point because if, and I think what Tim is getting at is absolutely right. If he had done that, they would have assumed all this was happening. It's, it's on, dude. It's on. But he, run, he gets away. He's like, and this gets at another thing. One of the things that you, might trouble you, especially if maybe you're not as familiar with the scriptures and the Bible as, as others is, you'll read passages where Jesus tells people, I'm going to heal you, but go away. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. Don't, mm -hmm. don't tell anyone. Now, there's two things about that. One is, I think, it's, it gets at what Tim is saying, which is he's trying to delay the inevitable as long as possible. He knows as soon as the word gets out that he's doing all this, dude, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong, right? <laughs> they're going to take me. They're going to try and put a crown on my head, and they're going to, and there's probably going to be a revolt. Now, remember, this is not a stable period in Israeli history. The Israelites have been through so much in the past 500 years, starting even 700, 722, the king of Assyria comes marching in and destroys 
Israel, the northern kingdom, and, and carts off most of the people and, and repopulates with their own people. 200 years later, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and does the exact same thing in Judah. For the next 500 years, the, the Jews will be occupied by foreign invaders. Assyrians, then Babylonians, then Persians, <clears throat> then Greeks, then Romans. They, they have been, they're desperately poor. This is a very poor, look guys, this is not a rich area. This is poor, it's desperate. They're under foreign occupation, times are awful. They are, they are waiting for someone to come and turn all of that around. As soon as you, and, and even in the past like one to 200 years, there's been a lot of revolts. Things are not stable. From time to time, Jewish leaders will rise up, try and fight their oppressors and be completely squashed. So it's, it's very unstable. Jesus knows as soon as I show up and I start, I start throwing lightning, the people themselves may revolt and may cause a huge catastrophe, and he's trying to avoid that. Now, I want to get at here the second part of this. In the first century, Jesus, and, and, and we skip to the end here, we know, this was not really the focus of his first century ministry, was it? It was these things. It was the things that they assumed he wasn't. He was a, he was a spiritual leader. He was a teacher. And one really big one of all that no one saw coming. <clears throat> what is Jesus Christ? Who is he? He's the Son of God. He's God. He is the Son of God. What? And more specifically than that. Our Savior. Salvation. Son of God. Messiah. Through whom salvation comes. And if you are a Trinitarian believer, as I am, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus is what? How is he related to God himself? Is he subordinate? He's he is co-equal with God. Co-equal. This, this, <laughs> that's it right there. That's it. In the first century, none of this happened. Is it going to happen someday? Yeah. The Jews were right, folks. Wrong time. That's exactly it. They're looking for the right thing. They had their watches set wrong. <laughs> this is, folks, this is all going to happen. You read the book of Revelation. Now, I famously don't read Revelation very much. Why? We'll get into that later. <laughs> when we do Revelation. Yeah, it'll be the last thing I do and I'll retire. <laughs> we have 66 books. We're on three. <laughs> this is going to happen, folks. This is going to happen in the end times. Folks, Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus and you are a follower of Christ, he is your king. Now, right now, he is your spiritual king. One day, he will be your earthly physical king, ruling on earth, the new earth. They just got the time wrong here. Say it again. Sorry. No, go ahead. It's his timing, not ours. That's a good point. And also, it wasn't just for the Jews, it's for everybody. Yes, yes. Oh, that's, that, let's read that. Just for Jews. <clears throat> Instead of just for Jews, it's <laughs> Jews for Christ, right? Jews for Jesus. Well, I think they made the same mistake that we kind of make. Yeah. That they knew the Old Testament very well. And they, there are many verses in the Old Testament that talk about how he's going to, the Messiah would come for the Gentiles and right. that he would heal people and different things. And, but they didn't like focus on those verses because right. those aren't the ones they wanted to pay attention to. And like uh, yes, we kind of yes. have that same tendency when we read, we're like, oh, well, this isn't like happy feeling 
things, and so we're going to not focus on those verses. They focused on select verses. Now, you have to remember, too, that is 100% true. Do we do this today? Yeah. Better believe it. Remember, too, verses for them was also relative. A Sadducee, who was an aristocracy, they were the ruling class, they were the priests, they were a small group of people. They didn't believe in spirits, they didn't believe in an afterlife. Heaven and hell, to, to a large extent, was only where God and angels resided, not people. And they only believed in the first five books of the Bible. They covered their eyes when it came to the prophets and the writings. The Pharisees, on the other hand, committed the exact same error on the opposite scale. Their consideration of what is a holy scripture was ten times this big, folks. Now, we have the Jewish Bible. You have the Jewish Bible. It's in your, that's your Old Testament. That's the Bible to them. To a Pharisee, is my, is my cake done? I'm joking. Church is going to start in a little bit. Oh, okay, that's good. Okay, warning. Um, that's good for my timing, actually. Okay, let's, let's go ahead and close. Um, to a Pharisee, they would have had a lot more. Long story short is, depending on who you were, your verses would be different. That's what I'm getting at here. But they were selective in what they would consider. Why? Why would you be selective in what verses you consider authoritative or not? Well, you don't like... Gentiles. So you don't want to read the verses where God is going to be kind to them. You want to read the verses that say you are going to vanquish, you know, all the people around yes. you. And, you know. And what else? If you're a Sadducee and this guy shows up and says, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, what is he to you? And your ruling friends, he is a threat to you. This is the bigger one, folks. What happens when new ideas come into society? Who are the first people to be threatened by that? Leaders. The people in charge. Always. And what do they try and do without fail? This is human nature. Without fail, what do they try and do with that movement? Discredit. That doesn't happen at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and, and continue on. I just want to also highlight that in that meeting of 5,000 that he, everyone ate as much as they wanted. Yeah, so they got their So he gave fill. everybody everything they needed. Let's do this. And there was leftovers. <coughs> so it's not like here's a little bit that'll keep you satisfied for a while. But here's everything. Everybody gets half a granola. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here, have as much as you want. And there's even more after that. And there's even more. Yeah. And so there's much. probably these people didn't eat that way a lot. You know, they didn't eat until they were completely full. These they are people that were lucky to get bread that day. Yeah. And they might have had one meal. You're absolutely right about that. It's so really a, a financial example of when things in our life appear to be insurmountable. Hmm? You know, we can never raise the money for this. Well, right. It, it isn't up to us. It's a God thing. So Jesus clearly, you know, he sent Philip off on a goose chase, really, knowing, I mean, Philip was from that area, Bethsaida, kind of in that area. So who, who better out of the 12 would know that area and know where to look for food or, or how to come up with it? So Philip's out, you know, probably taking him serious. we got to find food to feed all these people. Yeah, we can't afford it, Jesus. Sir, this is an excellent, excellent point that I forget 
and I'm guessing a lot of people forget, if you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is, you don't have to worry. Now, does that mean that times will get tough? Absolutely, you better believe it. Does that mean in the end you don't have to worry? He's going to take care of you. Now, in this case, he was doing a very big example to prove a lot of things, prove the physical nature, right? I'm going to, I'm going to meet your physical needs. And this, I get back to last week, which I say, the model of the New Testament evangelism is this. Jesus and his disciples tended to meet the physical needs of his people he was evangelizing to first. He didn't go up to a person whose belly was empty and go, why aren't you following the Bible? Bam! He didn't do that. If someone had a need and they went to God or Jesus, he would address those needs. He would, he would heal the sick. He would make the lame walk. He would feed the hungry. But then what? Give a message. Now it's time for the message. Yeah, he, didn't, he didn't come up and say, hey, I'm Jesus, son of God, huh? sent by him yep. to save your soul by love and care. And so you should turn your life over to me. He didn't ever, he didn't ever do that. He just... How funny it can, because isn't that kind of what we think in our mind is the, is the script? Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. Let's, do you even know who Jesus is? Thank you. Is there anything significant about verse 12 where it talks about gather them all so none will be lost? (coughs) It's just, it's just kind of reads my, uh, I I read the ESV and it's just, I don't know if there's anything to it. That's verse 12? Yeah. Get the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Mine says lost. Mine says wasted. I mean, that's just, mine says lost. Well, the lost is wrong. (laughs) they will not be lost the Greek is lost so the Greek sorry to cut you off no, and let me just go down my rant here <laughs> the Greek here is Apollumi Apollumi means it means two different things it means to be lost and therefore destroyed if someone says the enterprise is lost, right? The, the ship is lost. What do they mean by that? I can't find it. Can't fix it. It's gone. It's gone, dude. It's, it's gone. It's been destroyed. That is what this means. It means to be lost and therefore destroyed. So in that context, how do you interpret? Now you're all going to be interpreters of the Greek. Remember, I have, I have a goal for you. You're going to learn <laughs> 10 words. Here's your first for the year. Say it with me. Apollo me. Apollo means to be lost or destroyed. <laughs> Just don't make me spell it because I can't. Do I won't. I should. I'm sorry. I should I write this in, a, in, a, in a English. Apollo me. Right? Am I? Don't make me spell it either way. Okay. I should do it this way. It means, yes, to be lost or destroyed. Here in verse 12, it says, so. They, it's the subjunctive, which means so that could, it should not be lost, or it, it might not be lost. It's a, it's a conditional statement. Gather the pieces that are left over so that nothing should be lost. But, but what is he saying that? Nothing, who is he talking about there? It could be two different things. Mm-hmm. The obvious is what? The bread. Right. The bread. The, 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 the interpreted view is what? The food. 
physical. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. He doesn't want anything to be lost. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. I'm telling you, Jesus has double meaning in so much. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. What does this say about salvation? Who does Jesus want to be saved? Everyone. Everybody. Who's, who's it up to, in, in a way? Who's the two to tango? I have to make the choice. Even wanted Judas to be saved. <clears throat> yeah, of course. One of his best friends. We gotta, we gotta move on. Let's go to verse six, this is great. Verse 16, 16 to 24. Who would like to read that for me? <laughs> when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. But now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. Immediately the boat reached the shore and they were where they were heading. The next day the crowd had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake, realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but then, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Now, if you are reading only John and you're not familiar with the other Gospels, this might seem a little weird to you, the way it's written. It kind of seemed weird to me the first time. It seems as though Jesus gets done and the disciples just split and they leave him. Now, you might be looking at yourself saying, wait a minute. According to this passage, they got into the boat without Jesus and went on their way, leaving him. And later, find out there was only one boat. So what was Jesus expected to do? Right? If you read the other Gospels, it fills in a lot of what actually happened here. Can someone please read Mark 6, 45 to 52, and then someone else, Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus told his followers to get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida across the lake. He stayed there to send the people home. After sending them away, he went into the hills to pray. That night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw his followers struggling hard to row the boat because the wind was blowing against them. Between three and six o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water, and he wanted to walk past the boat. But when they saw him walking out in the water, they thought he was a ghost and cried out. They all saw him and were afraid. But quickly Jesus spoke to them and said, Have courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got in the boat with them, and the wind became calm, and the followers were greatly amazed. They did not understand about the miracle of the five loaves because their minds were closed. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, between, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Folks, truth is like a is like a, a histogram or a scientific chart. <laughs> the truth is that there was a lot going on that night after Jesus was done feeding the five thousand. Now what John has partially talked about, the other gospels have filled in some of the pieces. Jesus specifically dismissed them, said, I got some more work to do, guys. You go on your way, because he knew what he was gonna do. Right? <laughs> So he had, to, he, had to, he had to work with the crowd. Obviously, he's, he's working with them, uh, talking to them, interacting. And then he goes to pray, okay? which is another great thing. Son of God, he's praying. That's awesome. Only later do we find that as they were struggling on the Sea of, of Tiberias, did Jesus appear. And this is the famous passage where Peter himself starts to walk on the water. And we know that one, too. But his faith fails him. So just keep in mind... <clears throat> The authors of the New Testament are no different than you and I. Each one is, is writing a specific piece to make a specific point. Okay? Antiquity, letters and, and, and writings were not focused on a chronological moment-by-moment moment account. That just wasn't how they wrote. They wrote pieces to make a specific point. Now you can see here as we piece together, thank God there's four Gospels. We now have a much better kind of idea what's going on. It makes sense. So... And John, he was written much later. And so he already knew what was in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so he didn't need to repeat it because he's like, oh, well, it's already over there. I'm going to talk about this piece that I want to talk about. (laughs) He probably put the reference. Well, you know, (coughs) footnote. Everybody glosses over also the, the point that, all right, they're all in the boat, and immediately the boat was on the shore. So it's, you know, did the Star Trek beam me up, Scotty, and all of a sudden you're over there? Well, he must have been booking, too. You know, he's walking you know, three and a half miles. The, I think I am going to be wrong if I give you a number. I think it's, it's, it's somewhere between 5 and 15 miles, give or take. It's not very big, and I think you can see the other side. But I haven't been there, so I'm sorry. It's not a huge lake. I think it's bigger than, like, Sailorville. Right, for your local reference. I found, it, I found it interesting in the Matthew passage at the end. It says that then those were in the, that were in the boat said, you are certainly God's son. But I look back at my life and I recognize that there was times that I believed and there was times that I didn't necessarily believe and then something happened and I believed again and some more and nice. it increased. I mean, they just watched him feed 5,000 people. Then they're out in the boat going, we're dead. And he comes along and saves them. And he's like, oh. And they're like, oh, you, that's, you are Jesus. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Well, don't you think his words are important? Jesus said, go on over. He didn't say get partway over and then you're going to have trouble. Mm-hmm. He just said go over. Mm-hmm. That's what he meant. Go over. Mm-hmm. You're okay. going to go over. I like that. Don't you think? And I will <laughs> be there. And I will be there. Yes. I mean, that's, that's me. That's, that's I'm it. like, yeah, I got this. I like that. I like that. Um, okay. Let's continue on. Oh, uh, just for your Greekophiles. Verse 20, it is I. Don't be afraid. It is I, or it is me, is the same as I am. Ego, you mean. We talked about that last week. May or may not be significant here, but it, it, it could be. Um, 
verse 25 to 59. Who would like to read that for me? They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all your ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness, the scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up till the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, Stop complaining about what I said, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I who was sent from God have seen him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us this flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Have I gone too far? Keep going. Okay. Sorry. 59. I live because of the living Father who sent me in the same way anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Folks, we could spend weeks on this. This is the stuff right here, right? So let's go through it. First of all, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill, what's wrong with the prosperity gospel? Yeah, it, goes, it goes away. 
mean, they were prosperous back when King Solomon was, and now look at them. Thank you. They're Thank they're you. destitute, and they're looking for you know whatever Thank you know, you. anything but now. You know, yeah. give me something else. And now he comes along and feeds them. He's like, I have my fill. I want more of that. It's like, you're missing the boat. You're missing. Oh, they're hungry the next day. Yeah. yeah. You it can't. You can't fill it. It's never enough. Look, you talk to the richest people on earth. What what is famously every one of them says, I want more what? More. Money and power. You have all the money and power in the world. What do you want? More. <laughs> I like the Solomon reference. I hadn't thought of that. The kingdom of Israel was at its zenith under David's son Solomon. They were the richest, according to the Bible, kingdom in the world at the time. As soon as Solomon dies, what happened to that kingdom? fractured in two. That shows you how deep it went, how deep the, the dedication went. Do not, sorry, someone going to say something? No. Do not work for the food that spoils. Guess what the Greek word is for spoils there? What is it in Greek? Oh, sorry, I'm covering it up. Follow me. He's making the same word. Don't, don't work for food that spoils. Don't work for something that is lost, that's perishing, that's destroyed. And, and same thing in verse 39. Is that the verse you're in right now? That one I just mentioned was 27. No, no. In 39 it says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing from him. And that's the same word. Let me look here. Yep. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> you going to be teaching. <laughs> I just want that. Yeah. We'll just highlight in pink all the apology statements. So let's go on here. That uh, your eye is never full of seeing, your ear is never full of hearing. Um, I used to collect coins, mm-hmm. and I went nuts trying to collect coins. And I'm just one of, having one of those uh, <coughs> drives that I have to have. <coughs> I have to get every single one. To fill all the, the blanks, you know, you got to have all the versions. They got to have the D coin and the P coin, one from Denver, one from yep. Philadelphia, right? And there's also an S from San Francisco or San Diego. I can't remember. San Francisco. It, it doesn't matter. I, I cannot afford it all. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt like I was just groveling trying to. I'm looking at Laura winking because this is me with with rare trees. Uh, if you've driven by my yard, <laughs> I have this addiction. There will be no room left. Yeah. But it's not enough. <laughs> it's never enough. It's not. And it, <laughs> but I wonder if we would look at the word with such fervor as yep. we do with stuff that we're Thank passionate you. about. Like Thank I'm you. passionate about the Packers, yes. passionate about collecting coins, yes. or passionate about whatever. What if we're passionate about getting into the word and understanding it? Where we can be where it matters. Yep. You can't just get enough of it. You know, and that's what really matters. How can we communicate this, folks? This is the key. Jesus is the bread of life. What does that mean? Basically, it's the only thing that will sustain you, the only thing that will fill you. Everything else leaves you wanting. Thank you. That's it. How do we tell people that? How do we prove it to them? Live it. Live it. How do you live it? Love. How does someone show their content? Well, we take care. We take care of some of the needs that we just talked about with our neighbors, uh-huh. with other people, and show the example of what it's like. And then they'll say, "Why? 
They may say, why are you different? But you'll look for, that'll give you an opportunity to talk and share about Christ. This is really deep. This is a really good point, Tim. When people are taking care of others, that is a sign that what? They matter. They matter. But, but think of the needs in their lives are met. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Jesus completely fulfilled the physical needs of that group. If you are hungry, you're much less likely to give food to someone else. Now, it does happen, and you're a hero if you do it, of course. But human nature is this. If they see you giving something, if they see you being satisfied with being content, content with giving what you have, your money, your time, your food, that's a signal that you've got what you need. Now you want to give it to others. You're living it. Let me give a small example. This past Christmas, my girlfriend and I chose to bless a family hmm? with some gifts and things. Some ne- met some needs and met some wants for them. Oh. And <clears throat> since that time, I've done nothing more. And I, okay. we did it anonymously so yeah. I didn't know who did it because I was being humble hmm? about it. So since that time, I've done nothing, huh? partially out of the, the fact that I, they don't know who did it, so yep. I can't like ride in, go, hey, hey it's me, I'm again, you know, um, but, but I've been thinking about this, and we talked about this Wednesday night men's group, that, that it was an act of love on our part to yeah. do that, out of, and out of our surplus, if you will, we were able to bless somebody else. And so there was two responses that I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. And the first was, I haven't seen them show up at church since. And there are people that okay. would attend here if they were regular attenders. Yep. So I haven't seen that. And I also don't know if they don't have those needs anymore. Are, have they found a job? Are they back on their feet? Are they doing okay? And both of those reasons for me was enough, and, and just the not knowing was yep. enough for me to stop loving them. I just stopped. Thank you, sir, for being <clears throat> honest about your humanity, because that's exactly what I would have thought. We've, we've met your physical needs, you stopped showing up, right? We came and, and mm-hmm. gave you a gift card, now I've never seen you again. First thing you think is, well, they're being jerks, they got what they need, they went away. Now, in some cases, that is true. <clears throat> But in other cases, maybe God's working in that, right? And I don't have ill feelings yeah. towards them. It's just, I just don't, I just don't know. So I just yep. quit. <clears throat> you know, what, what I really need to do is go back and say, hey, how are you doing? What's That's going on? Exactly you want to meet? You want to get together? Thank you. Wanna, you. you know, can I, how can I continue to love this yep. family? And doing that, <clears throat> even though whatever they do, after you do that to them, it's in God's hands. That's you. Yeah, I can, see, exactly. I can justify <laughs> it very easily that way and go, you go, you know, it's God's work, so I'm good. You know, mm-hmm. but not this week. This past week, I'm like, man, what have I done with this besides nothing? I stopped. You're not doing mm-hmm. You know? And the Bible says that um, give to all who has need. Mm-hmm. It is like, oh, that guy's just going to go buy alcohol with it. I'm not going to give him anything. Mm-hmm. It's not for us to decide. I think it's give freely, and then God will sort it out. That's mm-hmm. us trusting God. Not, we don't trust the guy. We know what he's going to do with it, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe, maybe he finds Jesus through that. I don't know, but that's that's us. We, we're supposed to take our step of faith, and it's like, okay, God, I'm doing this for you. I want to give you the glory and honor. Whatever he does with it, he does with it. So I, I act like I act as if that I only have this limited supply of love to give. Mm-hmm. Like ah, yeah, conditional. I better it's just because a limited know. quantity. Yeah. Yeah. 
says, and to move on, but as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. What is the argument of the atheist? If only you would come down mm -hmm. and do mm -hmm. your miraculous thing, then I would believe. Guess what, folks? Mm -hmm. The entire New Testament is very clear on this point. Every person who acted through the Holy Spirit to perform miracles did so amongst people that a portion of them didn't believe. Even after that. I mean, well, think about Elijah. I mean, he did a huge, I mean, through God, God brought down fire, burned up water, and stone. I mean, everything. And Jezebel still wants to kill him. Yep. She's not going to change her heart. Like, That's it. A huge sign was given to her in front of her, and Love she it. was not going to change her mind. And so, and they, you know, all the prophets, like Jesus says, we said prophet after prophet, and you can't to, to kill all of them. You know? Judas saw more than anyone else except for the, he was one of the 12. And guess what he did? Well, it would be interesting to know, and I know we can't have it, but there's 15, 14 to 20,000 people on the countryside that saw this miracle happen. Out of those 20,000 people, who actually believed? Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we're going to find out, because we're about to, in the, as, we, as we wrap up here, you're going to read the last section exactly what happens, and it's not pretty. Let's real quick here wrap up. It says, and I want to make this comment too, verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. What does that say about where Jesus was before he was born in his physical form? He was in heaven with God. Dude, it's right here. I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What? Are you a cannibal? What does that mean? What does that mean? I like 44, too. It says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. <coughs> Humans lack the ability to come to God without God calling them. Who does God call? Everyone. That's the right answer. Who said that? <laughs> nice job, sir. That's the right answer. That's biblical. Okay. Let's finish up. Verses 60 to 71. Who would like to do that? When the followers of Jesus heard this, many of them said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Knowing that his followers were complaining about this, Jesus said, Does this teaching bother you? Then it will also bother you to see the Son of Man going back to the place where he came from. It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh doesn't give life. The words I told you are spirit, and they give life. But some of you don't believe. Jesus knew from the beginning who did not believe and who would turn against him. Jesus said, That is the reason I said, If the Father does not bring a person to me, that one cannot come. After Jesus said this, many of his followers left him and stopped following him. Jesus asked the twelve followers, Do you want to leave too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, where would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One from God. Then Jesus answered, I choose all 12 of you, but one of you is a devil. And Jesus was talking about Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Judas was the one of the 12, but later he was going to turn against Jesus. There you go. That's what happens. Now, as a Christian, is it easy for you to get discouraged when that kind of thing happens? I don't know about you. I do. You tell them the truth. You fill their belly. You tell them the truth. And some of them will still reject you. It's a bell curve, folks. This is the number of people, you know, maybe it's no good way to say this axis, but this is, this is who accept. This is the number of people. 
20% of the people that you will share the gospel with will hate you and reject it no matter what you do. Even if Jesus performs miracles in their lives, which he does, they will still reject him. 20% are all in. The minute you share the gospel, they're all in. They're ready to jump in. They start serving at church. They spend the rest of their lives telling people about Christ. The rest of us are in this 80% category. It takes time and patience. It may not be right away. But, you know, maybe the take-home here is don't take it personally. I think earlier I heard something to those that, that effect. This, this is God's world. This is God's book. This is God's church. I'm doing my part. I'll do what I can. I don't want to take it personally. But there are going to be a lot of people that reject him. Look, people right here. And this is dumb. Verse 666, right? This is the one where they all abandoned him. Eight <laughs> percent <laughs> of his closest followers went away. Look at you with your math. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. I like that. But I mean if you know, if eight percent of his yeah. that twenty percent. I mean that's one in five. That's a that's a big number. Mm-hmm. Let's say no. Tells me I better go tell twenty. I have, a per, I have a footnote here yes, sir. that kind of has an interesting explanation you know, in response to Jesus' message. Some people left and others stayed and truly believed. So two ends of the bell curve. Yeah. And, then, uh, and some, like Judas, stayed but tried to use Jesus for a personal agenda. Yep. So many people today turn away from Jesus. Others pretend to follow him, come yep. to church for status and approval from family. But it can be a social thing. <coughs> I mean, look, I've gotten Mary Kay emails from people at previous churches. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's really, you know, I'm not bashing on Mary Kay or something like that. I'm just saying. is, and, and maybe it's not bad necessarily to do that kind of thing. But the question is, where's your heart at in all of this? Like what Steve says, are you here for Jesus? Are you here to be his disciple? Are you here to get something out of it? Okay, thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week.